Camera speeds. A mark. Hello and welcome to the Focus Polar at Work podcast. I'm Dennis Kunell and I'll be your host for today's episode in which I'll be chatting with Focus Polar Alex Rawson. Alex is based in the United Kingdom and we'll be talking about how Alex became a first AC, that one time where he bought a brand new WC4 just before the High 5 was announced and how he's been and still is building his own wet hire rental company Unitback. And to be honest with you, I like that hire an AC with a camera package that just freaking works kind of approach. So take some notes as Alex isn't withholding any of his wisdom. All of that and much, much more on today's episode of the Focus Polar at Work podcast. Oh, disclaimer, we swear, like a lot. Enjoy. Alex, thank you very, very much for being on the pod today. I hope you're doing well, man, uh, over there in England. Yeah, all good. Um, dude, I'm really uh, interested in like uh, just chatting about like you know where you're coming from. How did you get to uh, to being a focus puller? Like, tell us a little bit about your your background. Oh, background is a bit of like a not a traditional route at all. I didn't do film school. Uh, I went to uni, didn't really know what I wanted to do. Um, sort of followed in in the footsteps of like all of the all the males in the family were engineers and I was like, oh, I'll go to uni and, and be, I wanted to be an architect, but I wasn't, wasn't particularly good at drawing, which kind of stumps you being an architect. Yeah, so, uh, I decided to do structural engineering instead and did like a year and a half of it. I was just like, this is not, not for me. Um, but whilst I was there, I met a guy who was a photographer at the uni and I'd always had really, really interested in photography. Um, my granddad was a photographer. So, he'd when when he passed he passed me down all of his old film cameras so i was like thinking i was really cool shooting on like 35 mil and and whatnot i didn't have really have a clue what i was doing um but i met this guy and he was doing like nightclub stills uh nightclub videography nightclub photography so i sort of fell into like the industry as such that way um and one of the one of the clubs that we used to shoot at was a uh, also a music venue so they used to have like gigs on and um, and I was like really itching to go and shoot one of these gigs um, and then from there I started shooting more and more gigs and started actually getting into it meeting some bands and doing stills for the bands so like promo material and whatnot and then they were like can you do video and I had this little Nikon SLR camera so I was like trying to make these music videos and whatnot started meeting more people who make music videos but were much better than me and they started getting me to like come and run with them on set so I'd, I'd just be like helping carrying cases and putting cameras on tripods and all that kind of stuff so I learned through the um sort of like the the SLR evolution in the in the industry with like the 5Ds and and Sony A7Ss and that kind of stuff so I I, I learned to be a camera assistant as such then and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, well, we've actually got a bit of money on this video. Let's hire a red. I think, I, which red would I have had first? The Dragon DSMC one. And I was like, man, I was blown away by this camera, like yeah. 60 and stops dynamic range. Because I came from a stills background, I like, understood latitude and dynamic range and stuff. And, and 
it just like it absolutely fascinated me this like massive massive camera on set with these like really expensive lenses on you know i was watching the the dp i'd say dp is like it was a videographer with the red basically that we were shooting um but you actually i mean you're lucky because you skipped the red one at this point like that's i nice. did skip the red one <laughs> that's <yes>. pretty good <laughs> uh but i have visited the red one once um but yeah going back to that it just sort of blossomed from there and i got a couple of sort of trainee jobs and then i started loading a little bit i was not a very good loader because i wasn't i wasn't organized enough to be be a loader so i loaded probably like a year and a half um and then some of the dps that had been stepping up and getting more money on their jobs and getting busier were starting to think oh well i'm, I'm shooting a lot on gimbal because when the gimbals came came out crazy like the ronin one and the, And the first thing you really need on a gimbal is is someone to pull focus because you can't really do it yourself. Yeah. Um, just started getting a couple of jobs sort of on like Sony A7S's with stills lenses and like plastic gears and like the DJI follow focus. Um, yeah, that's what I did pulling, too. Yeah, and then pulling focus on like awful wireless systems that you go around the corner and it just totally drops and like they're literally like 12 feet away from you yes obviously spoiled spoiled now with all the kit that we get to use yeah uh, i even i my my biggest issue i always have with the dji um and uh on with some of the the nucleus m uh units as well was when i was really close to the motor like literally right next to it because you're working on the camera and you have the thing around your neck and then you're trying mm -hmm. and it would lose connection the closer I was and it was really weird because it's like okay I understand but like if I'm further away I get it but if I'm really close yeah. to the thing like why am I losing connection <laughs> it's really weird um but yeah I guess um, it's just like an RF thing but yeah. and these things um man the DJI follow focus are the good old days yeah I remember so one of my first proper jobs of the DJI follow focus we'd gone to Barcelona for this rap music video and like this was like my first international shoot Uh, we were shooting on red with, do you remember the um, the square front Loma anamorphics? Yeah. Like literally the stiffest lenses on the market. Yeah. And they'd and I said to them, please don't give me a DJI follow focus. Like just get me something with some torque in it. Even an RT motion would be sick. And they hired me a DJI follow focus because of budget. And I'm like, it's literally 50 quid a day difference in it. Like, come on. And obviously it was, it was shit. And, you know, there was complaints about sharps. And I'm like, guys... Seriously, like <laughs> I can't do anything about it. I rack and it doesn't move because there's yeah. not enough torque in the motors. Um, and after that job, I was like, right, I'm getting sick of being given kit that's not up to scratch on set. So I took the hit and invested in my first hand unit, which was the it was the RT Motion one, the original one. Before you mean before Teradek bought it, like? Well, Teradek had just bought it, so it was branded Teradek RT. But it was the original hand unit, gotcha, so it yeah. wasn't the control 3.1. Um, it was the one that actually worked. <laughs> so I've heard people have no end of issues with those Teradek hand units. Um, but yeah, so I bought myself that, and then I was like, oh well, I can actually rent this out as as a piece of kit each day. Do you remember what what year uh, you bought that uh, that? 2017, I think. Like the last three years have been like crazy for how quick sort of the work has spread. Even though we had COVID in the middle of it, yeah. Like I, I don't. COVID was obviously really crap for 
for work because I didn't work for six months. But as soon as it stopped in the UK, as soon as we were allowed to work, I was like five, six days a week and have been since then. And do you do um, co mostly commercials or features or both? Yeah. I'll probably do like two features a year and the rest of it is commercials or promo. Okay. Uh, which is great. Which is great. So do you prefer working on, on commercials then or is that a 50-50 you know, kind of thing? I think it's just because the DPs that I work with are mainly commercial DPs. Like I definitely do want to do more narrative work. I've hopefully got a feature coming in February. I'm just waiting to find out. But... I think it's purely just because the DPs that I work with are more commercial based. Okay. Do you they're, then? They're, they're not interested. Because for me, it was uh, when I lived in the US, um, all I did was, um, you know, corporate and commercial work. And then um, when I moved back to Germany about a year ago, I started working in the feature world again and I didn't want to do commercials anymore. Um, It, it really took some time for me to adjust on the first couple projects because I have a feeling that, you know, the I would say like the art of pulling focus is very different if you're working on a commercial versus working on a feature film. Because you, on a feature film, depending on the timing, but, you know, you have so much more time within a scene, like you can do a slow rack and stuff. Whereas on a commercial, since, you know, it's going to be a 30-second thing and it has to be fairly yeah. quickly, you just... You just need to maintain focus, basically, for the most part. Is that something you noticed? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I think when... I think sometimes the focus pull is overlooked in terms of how much creative control that they have within the scene, in terms of where the focus sits. Like, we literally decide who's sharp and who's and who's not, and also by how much they are sharp. Like, if you if you haven't got much depth in, in on the plane... And you want that background just that little bit softer, like you can pull to the where the back of the depth of field is, yeah. and it, it and it does like lose it. And like having chats with the DPs, like I've chatted with DPs on on jobs, and I'm like, look, if we just if we if we if we drop in like another stop of ND here, we can go even shallower. If you want to lose like that thing, you're not happy with in the background, rather than getting art department spend like an hour moving something outside of a window, yeah. like let's just let's just drop a stop and 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 lose some depth and you can lose that and like we'll offer it up and talk about it and and then they might be like oh that's fantastic you know that five minute quick check has saved us an hour on on time in there yeah. um, that's actually really good advice i think because yeah you you do have that kind of uh, control but you, you need to know your shit but if you do you can you can yeah. really help out every now and again with like these little tricks so. yeah, yeah you definitely can you definitely can like i've got this amazing app on my phone because i can't work out that feel quick enough It's called Pocket AC. Unfortunately, yeah. you can only get it on Android. But it's, um, yeah, it's literally just like at the top, depth field, wacky camera and like everything. And I'm sure there's other apps. And you can just be like, right, right okay, cool. Oh, what was I looking at there? Oh, I was on a job last week with uh, Mini LF Signature Primes. Um, and they wanted to shoot wide open on 125 mil, like running around tracking people. I think at 10 foot, you get 1.6 inch of depth. At 10 feet, <laughs> shit. At 10 feet, yeah. <laughs> it, it was, it was, it was crazy. I mean, at, at the end of the day, um, the DP came up and said to me, "I did a really great job." I was like sweating. <laughs> like, Thank God for that. <laughs> it was one of those days you walk in and you see. I hadn't seen a kit list because I was coming on as a COVID, um, like a COVID replacement. The other folks probably got COVID, so I'd not seen a kit list, not seen anything. All I said was like, "I want my hand unit on it and my own monitor." I'm a focus bug and they were, the producer was like yeah that's no problem we got budget for that 
um, can you just match the rental houses disgusting uh, rate of discount? <laughs> so I had to do that. Um, and then, yeah, you see the camera package and you're like, oh, amazing camera package, like the premium LF Signature Primes. Uh, yeah. And then I walked in and we were, we had like a sort of a, a rig day. So it was like a pre-light prep. They wanted to see camera up and like have a look at some of the framings and stuff. Yeah. Um, and they were explaining the shot. There's, there's no grip. There's a six foot slider on the list. And I'm like, oh, who's the grip? They're like, oh, we haven't got a grip. Oh, <laughs> right, right. Okay. Good so we've stuff. got six foot slider, tall shorts, uh, no Apple box. I oh, know one set of Apple boxes. That was quite funny. Um, yeah, but we, 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 the loader that I had on that page, uh, she was awesome. She was really helpful. Like, didn't care about there not being a grip. I was obviously like, where's my grip? Like, I want them to set up all the slider stuff and whatnot. Yeah, it's like, you know, um, grips, grips are definitely, uh, when they're not around, they're being missed sorely like you really you're yeah. really gonna miss a grip when it's not there or she but when they are around yeah. um but uh while we're on the topic of uh of gear i think you own uh, a bunch of your own equipment um and you just mentioned some but like uh, give us a little bit of a rundown what do you what do you own what do you bring to the job uh so depending on what the the dp owns like i don't know if it's the same in germany but there's a big culture in the uk of dps owning equipment uh, uh, no, cameras not, or not lenses I mean, it's it's changing now a little bit here with you know the introduction of something like the Red Komodo, that is affordable. Yeah, but okay. Compared yeah, to yeah, the yeah. U.S., in the U.S., there there have been or there are a lot of uh, owner operators that you know buy DSMC two bodies or uh, even an Amira or maybe an Alexa Mini. Yeah. Um, but uh, I haven't. I mean, I'm sure there are some in Germany, but I don't think it's a it's the biggest thing here. Hmm. Yeah, no, so like quite a few of the DPs that I work with are actually their owner, their owner ops. Uh, so they've either got a red or or like an Alexa Mini or something like that. But kit-wise, um, it's ever-growing the list. But hopefully next year, what I'm planning to do in January, I've been sort of building up this kit over the last two, three years, um, building the website at the moment, is to release uh, like this sort of wet hire camera rental house where it's like you ring me, you get all the kit and... You get a focus puller, a loader, training if it's needed. Okay. But geared to the actual focus puller, or like including the camera and lenses? Oh, including the camera, yeah. Okay. So we've got um, we've got Alexa Mini, Red Gemini, Red Komodo, um, set of super speeds. Got some TLSB Pancros coming in the new year in January. It's exciting. Um, Sigma full frame primes for the full frame jobs. Filters like loads of wireless, all Vaxis stuff. Like client monitoring, directors monitoring, focus pullers monitoring, okay. uh, focus pulling kit, um, so focus bug, high five. Uh, and then like mag liners, it all comes in a van, like sort of rolls off, ready to go. Oh, that's sweet. And are you, where are you yeah. based in the UK? I'm based in the Midlands, so near somewhere called Northampton. Okay, so you're not, not in the London yeah. in the London area? No, no, but I drive into London pretty much every day. Okay, gotcha. Um, and you just said that you have a high five, and it, I think I saw on your Instagram that like, not too long ago you bought a WCU four. Yeah. So you bought the so WCU, and it looked brand new, <laughs> like on that Instagram picture that I saw. So it was lit. So <laughs> yeah, that was pretty wild. How quickly that that went. Um, I was I was going to hold off on the high five, 
Um, and then the, the funds were there and I had someone lined up for the sale of the WC4 for a price that I really wanted. And the guy was like, yeah, I'll buy it tomorrow. Okay. And C- do you know CVP yes. in the UK? Yeah, yeah. yeah, so CVP, where I buy my kit, I have a really good account manager there. Shout out to Dave Morris, who's my account manager there. He's always like sorts me out with all of my kit. And I can ring him on like a Friday in a panic, like, oh, I need this cable. And it'll be there on Saturday morning waiting for me. Oh, sweet. Um, so, and he's been like a integral part of me building this sort of rental business and supporting me and, and whatnot. So yeah, big thanks to those two, um, CVP and Dave. Um, but yeah, so I bought the WC4 in November last year and then it probably worked pretty much three to five days a week with me every week of the year. So like rental wise, it was, it was paid off. It didn't really owe me anything. And then because I went for the RF motor system, um it just was it's basically just a straight hand unit swap like i didn't need to go and um buy like loads more motors or anything like that so it was a nice nice quick easy swap of just replacing the hand unit upgrading um and then because i bought the focus bug obviously it's got the focus bug integration um i shoot a lot on red which which i'm not trying to get away from the red jobs because they all seem to be the lower budget jobs um then obviously the red camera control was something nice to have because a lot of the red jobs is with uh, a DP that I work a lot with who's also a really, really, really good Bobby off. But so, so is, the, but is the High Five, uh, is all of that working already? So the, the focus bug integration, I think you had to... Um... No, it's not, it's not out yet. Okay, so too bad. Yeah, I've, I've not got it. I've not got it yet. I've prepaid for the license and a shipping license soon. Um, yeah. And then I think you also have to like upgrade your your L cube and and I read somewhere that you might need a new cable or something, but I'm not entirely sure if that's probably true. <laughs> probably. probably. It's just 350 bucks. Who cares? Yeah, it'll be like another 200 quid or something. So so uh, a funny one for you. When I bought the when I bought the focus bug, I kind of Dave Dave from CVP. Uh, he sent me over like the list of kit, and I just okayed it. I was like, yeah, that looks all right. It's got the L cube cable. Blah blah blah. Um, and he sort of off the cuff was like, do you need any two pin to two pin like power cables or two pin to detect power cables? I was like, nah, I got loads of those. And he was like, oh, okay then. And then it turned up. I was like, I swear it comes as a Y cable, the serial cable, like the serial to, to the like, uh, sensor. And, yeah. Nah, I bought the wrong cable for it. <laughs> Dude, it's like 240 pound cable. And then the one that I wanted is the one that's a, uh, Y split cable at the end, so it has power and, and yeah, serial, it's like yeah. three hundred and sixty Yeah, so yeah, yeah, fuck, fuck myself over on that one. <laughs> yeah, because I remember that too when I ordered the um, the focus bug uh, system. I was like, okay, like I definitely need one for the Alexa Mini, so that I can just mm. you know you, integrate an L cube basically. And I was thinking, okay, there's so many different cables for all these different camera types. And I was like, but if each cable is like around 300 bucks, then that's definitely over. That's, that's over budget. I can't do that. Uh, but yeah. so far I've been getting away with just that one cable that I have. So we're, if I get other, um, if I get other camera jobs, I just use, cause I'm on the, um, the RF motor, which is a cam seven pin output. Mm-hmm. I just have the cables that goes cam seven pin to either Elbus for Alexa mini. Um, it's a D tap, and four pin control for DSMC2. And then for Venice, which one is it? I can't remember which cable it is for Venice, 
Um, but I just run that into my ecosystem and then integrate the L-Cube through it. So I still use the same cable. So you basically go from the camera to the seven pin um, yeah. port on the RF motor and then just daisy chain everything through Elbus. Yeah, and motor. then just, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay, that like makes that. sense. That makes sense. All right. So that, then that you should keep actually work, the, yeah. the same serial cable. So hopefully I'll save you some money there. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. It's, that's why I do <laughs> these podcasts. Good. So <laughs> so that I can save money. Amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so um what so you get on high five now. Um how do you like it by the way? How um how's that high five treating you? Yes, yeah, it's really nice. Um cool features, the battery swap's nice. Uh like the hot swap. It does actually work as well. Like you just yeah. open the battery cap, pull it out, and it just stays powered on. Stick the next one in. So that that's nice for uh, if you're like mid mid take on a long take or something, you can just change the battery in it. That is um, very nice. It's, it sounds yeah. like such a such a tiny little thing, but it is. I mean, it's amazing. <laughs> for so much money. Um, but I'm trying to think what else I really like about it. Touchscreen's really nice. Mm -hmm. uh, one of my favorite things as well is you can individually calibrate motors. So you don't, on the WC4, you just calibrate the whole system. Yes. Uh, so if you're, I don't, where have I used that? I was using it on the job the other day when I didn't want to calibrate one of the motors. Uh, but I did want to calibrate the, I think I wanted to just calibrate the focus motor. Um, but not calibrate the iris motor because they were like iron up a shot or something. Yeah. I didn't want to keep changing the T-stop for the DP. So I just quickly... Well, I could have really used that. Um, the last uh, feature I worked on, we used uh, super speeds. And the yeah. the problem with the super speeds is that they travel, like when you uh, adjust focus, the housing yeah. kind of travels. And uh, um, sometimes the 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 iris gear ring would just like... Like it would travel too it far would for go the too ring, far. exactly. Yeah. And so, yeah. in that case, I think it would be perfect if you could just calibrate them like separately from each other. Um, I yeah. mean, I did yeah, end yeah. up just using like two, you know, wider gear rings, and that worked too. But since they're tiny lenses, like sometimes it's kind of tricky to uh, to to get the gear there. Well, excitingly, uh, TLS are announcing super speed rehousing the, this February, I think, or next February. Yeah, nice. So they will be doing a rehousing that incorporates the travel, so there'll be no travel or anything. It, it would be so nice because I think you know they, they produce a great look, um, but since they're mm. old, like usually they're old, like when you get them from a rental house, they're old and they're pretty beat down, and uh, yeah, and you can tell. <laughs> and like with this last job, it was a nightmare because we, I think we had, yeah, we had a full set, and I would say about seventy percent of the lenses were pretty wacky and especially like when you yeah. did like when you when you would change focus direction you would see like how the image kind of jumped and uh, yeah it, yeah yeah it's a shift in like it sort of goes Dunk. yeah, yeah exactly and so the mean. technician uh the technician i think kind of hated us for these three days <laughs> that we were prepping <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah um okay so uh but would you say that uh at this point the high five is is ready um, for for any sort of like production, or is there still a little drawback uh, on the current firmware? I'm still not that amazed with the RF. Not gonna lie. Okay. Um, the new, I don't know if it's something they're doing in the back end. We're waiting on an update or something. But I'm still having 
like I'm still having to walk away. Like if if I'm on like a long shot and the DP's a long way from me, and um, I can't be like handheld next to them. Okay. So we were shooting shooting a commercial in London last week, and the, they were doing like long walks, long tracking walks with uh, with one of the talent, and I was having problems, uh, sort of running and cutting. So rolling the camera and cutting the camera. It just I would have to go and walk near the camera to roll it. Okay. And that and I tried it with the RF motor and with the cameras built in wireless. We're on the Mini LA. And both of them were like I th- I think it was the high five end because if I go on to when I was on WC four, if I was ever having problems with the wireless, I would just switch from the cameras built in wireless to the RF motors wireless and I'd always get much better range. Yeah. But I was watching the um, like the signal strength on the high five screen and they would get like, I don't know, maybe a hundred feet away from me and it would just be like one bar of signal. I'd be pulling focus fire with no delay. There would never seem to be a delay in that. But in terms of talking to the camera, there was definitely a delay in, in settings. And then sometimes I'd be changing ND or ISO or what have you. Um, and it just wasn't changing. Okay. So on that job, we were on mini LF and mini because uh, they didn't have the budget for two mini LFs. And I was one focus puller, two cameras. You know the jobs. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> um, which, yeah, not not great fun. Um, and a nice K35 wide open day uh, with, with, with a full stop of glimmer in there as well. So it's like no contrast, running around, pulling focus on those lenses. So stressful day as it was. And having to sort of pull focus between two cameras. It's actually a really smooth setup. We had... Everything, one system was on Teradex, one system was on Vaxis. We'd quickly change all the monitor inputs and then change the camera's wireless system from like channel four to, um, sorry, the hand unit's wireless system from channel four to channel eight. Yeah. And we could be controlling two cameras. But then sometimes I go over to the the older Alexa Mini and the DP would be like, oh, can I see like 1.2 ND or 2.1? And I would change it and it wouldn't change on camera. And I've been, but it would say it changed on my hand unit, and I'm like, I don't understand what's going on here. And then I would switch back to the LS wireless, and then for some reason it would just change the ND. Like I wouldn't have told it to change the ND. The ND would just scroll. Okay. So I don't know what's going on there. But when the Hi Five first got announced, and I was I was one of the first in line in the UK because I put my name down as soon as it came out. I said to my account manager, I was like, put my name down for it as soon as you've got one, and they got a bunch of them in. And then Ari basically said, don't sell them because we've got RF problems. Ah, uh, okay. And that was, I'm trying to think when that was. That was maybe September, August, when they first announced them. Um, and then apparently they fixed the issues. But we're now in December, so I think I'm going to, I've got a good contact at, um, at Ari UK uh, in the service department. I'm just going to go in and be like, these are the issues I'm having, like, yeah, I also what think they they, they probably value pretty much every feedback that they can get from from you know in the field mm-hmm. working focus pullers right now. Um, yeah. I I was asking because for this last feature that I did, um, the rental house said they because we had uh, A and B camera and uh, yeah. two focus pullers, and uh, they said they only had one WCU four and they had to like you know, kind of rent or sub-rent another WCU4 and we would have to switch it out uh, mid-production because they would get like one of their own WCU4 units back. 
and then they offered uh, that you know instead of like swapping out uh, uh, the units mid shoot, we could just uh, get a high five. And so I started asking other ACs on Instagram, and I said, "Hey, um, to all of you high five users at this point, like, do you think it's worth it? Do you think that I can I can rely on it for an entire feature?" And pretty much everyone replied, said, "No." don't do it yet <laughs> and like just just yeah. wait a little bit um but i wasn't around i mean i was around when the when the wcu4 came along but i was uh, i was a second ac so i don't really remember how long it actually took for the wcu4 to become you know the solid workhorse that it was over the years mm. but i'm pretty sure for yeah. the first year it was probably buggy and it just it just takes yeah. time and um i would assume it's the same i i, I think the learning curve is quicker with the high five because Ari has learned but um in the end, yeah. you know, it's a brand new unit, so I'm, I'm pretty sure it's going to take some time. Um, yeah. Uh, let's move on real uh, quick to uh, what what kind of monitor do you uh, use, and uh, what kind of what kind of settings do you like there? I'm, I'm, I went through like a whirlwind of monitors over the last twelve months. So originally, I had I've, I was all small small HD and Teradek. Um, I had like all Sidekick monitors, so my 17 inches of Sidekick. Which I don't I don't pull on a on a sidekick. I pull on a seven inch um, on board. Um, so I so I, my first like proper monitor purchase was a seven oh two ultra bright back in when I bought my Teradek RT. Started on that. Absolutely love that monitor. Like I still have it now as a either as a camera on board or a director's handheld in a cage or just like a reference monitor for like art department or what have you. I think that's one of like that and the DP7 is probably their best panels that they've made. I still don't think they've really topped them. I mean, um, I, I, they're absolutely. I agree with you. The panels are great. What really bugs me about that 702 is that little joystick. It's just that fucking yeah, joystick. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's. I think that's been repaired twice. The joystick. Um, I just like now because I use it as a director's handheld. They just don't really touch the joystick. So it has like one page that's set on. The page has got like sharpening false color waveform if the dp wants to check it when they're on on board and that's that's it that, yeah. like don't touch that joystick button basically because yeah. <laughs> it just gets busted all the time um but i think they learned from that uh so from that i went to a cine 7 sidekick and dude i had so many problems with that like two power board failures and one sidekick failure within like 12 months oh, wow. so, so it spent it spent about four months in repair out of the 12 months that i had it and then I switched my monitor from this Cine 7 Sidekick to a TV Logic F7H Mark II. Amazing panel. Like TV Logic still have the best panels on the market, yeah. uh, but their their operating system is like they need to they really need to up the game on that and get out of this old archaic system that they have. And they tried to put these like four four sort of pressure sensitive buttons on the side of the monitor. Yeah, I was wondering how do they do they work? They don't even they, no. They don't. They, don't. <laughs> they they work when you don't want them to work. So I would you can sort of set a preset where it's like the top three user buttons do three different things. So I would have like uh, focus peaking, um, zoom, and another setting on oh brightness change on a monitor. 
that S7H Mark II is like the sun when you put it on full brightness. The picture looks disgusting, but it is like 3,600 nits. Yeah. It's just too bright. You don't ever need it that bright. It is, because um, I, so I used to uh, uh, pull on a, a 703 bolt, and that went up to 3,000 nits. And I would even say that like I, I probably never, I mean, maybe once, uh, just yeah. for the fuck of it, but I don't think I ever really had to put this on 100% on backlight. So I think no. 3600 or whatever it is is like is really over the top but it's it's nice to have yeah. it. I mean, you know, in case you're in the desert yeah, yeah, yeah. and have no sunshade or whatever. <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um as much as I really like that monitor, there was just like a few things that I was missing from it like quite often because I'm very chatty with DPs, I'll stand next to them and I will always if I, if I have good rapport with them, I'll always talk to them, even about their exposure levels. Like, what do you think about that in the background over there? Like, I'm just noticing that when you're moving through the shot, I think that is too hot or blah, blah, blah. And then I can show them, quickly put false color on and go, look, this, 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 and quickly, like, offer them things up. Couldn't do that on the F7H. So uh, Black Friday, I bought a 703 Ultra Bright, which is really like so far. And because I'm used to small HDs, like, I sort of started focus pulling on small HDs um i'm used to just their peaking so i literally just have their focus peaking on not the not peaking as as you think about it with the red lines it's literally just like sharp yeah yeah that's i think that's, that's what they, they call uh the the focus assist i think is what they call the focus colored assist, that's the word for it. um yeah. Yeah, I, yeah i do use that every now and again uh depending on the shot but um if you and i think i said this on the pod before but if you have um if you have a, an actor or say like a child actor um, with a very smooth kind of face, you know, very little contrast, um, maybe yeah. like, you know, uh, pale skin, uh, blonde hair, and you say like, there's there's just nothing to, to go off there. Um, yeah, then I, yeah. I set the focus assist to black and white and on level one, I just add like a little, usually like a yellow or green kind of line. So you get a little bit of, um, you sense it in the eyes just, a little yeah. bit so you yeah, it's yeah. just that little fail safe but yeah for the most part i think i would go with the with the peaking on the small hd um and yeah. I've, I've also liked it so much that i i couldn't imagine at this point going back to uh, a tv logic uh, i but i actually i just uh, so i sold my 703 bolt um and i have ordered not used yet but um uh, uh, hopefully for this next feature uh, uh, I'm gonna try to go down to a 503 um, because I really nice. I want the thing on my hand unit and run around with it more, uh, and mm -hmm. then hoping that one day I can add a 13 or th or three or maybe a Cine 13, and then and then kind of like yeah. daisy chain that um, to the hand unit and the uh, and the Teradek that's on there, and then hopefully have yeah. both options. That would be my ideal kind of setup. So that's exactly what I'm thinking for for my setup in the future is go five inch and then on the five inch have just like a, a really low end sort of small receiver. And then on my 13 inch have like a big receiver that can be far away from where the action is um, if you need it. But then you can almost boost the signal on again with another TXRX setup yeah. so that you've got your own little um, your own little quick sort of satellite station you can run around with and jump in really close if you if you feel you need it for the shot and yeah because yeah, sometimes sometimes i'm like totally chill don't need to see the action um but some dps that i work with like they they express how much dislike they have for focus pullers not being near the camera because I, th i think they're more they came up in the in the day of film where where everything was shot t56 
and you know you could just walk next to the camera like that and you had loads of depth and yeah. but nowadays when everything's wide open with diffusion filtration on full frame like i i i like to see what's going on yeah um, I, I it is very interesting to see how uh different dps kind of like their setup in terms of like where their acs kind of station them themselves on this last feature it was the first and only time so far um where the gaffer came up to me and like i was the b camera first and um and to the a camera first and we were standing like in you know in a field somewhere and um and he comes up and he's like you two are like really close to their cameras like is there any way you could just like you know step away and like make room so that we and that's like this is the first time that the gaffer would come up to me and ask me if i could like stay away from the camera um i think the uh gaffers might be overstepping his line a little bit <laughs> I, I was wondering too oh he was a nice guy so I, yeah uh, that was a yeah no, him, that's but, an interesting one though but it was very it was like okay cool um but yeah in terms of like how dp yeah. like some dps really want you to be there and be really really close and uh, some don't it's always interesting and it's a i think it's a fun kind of mm. challenge to meet a new dp yeah. that you've never worked with and then kind of figure out what they want in terms of like how close do they want you to be how much input do they want from you you know like every now and again yeah uh, you you start telling them something that you noticed in the background or like uh, about their exposure or whatever and they look at you like dude i know what i'm doing i yeah why are you telling yeah. me this it's like i'm sorry I just, yeah <laughs> i thought i would help out yeah you're just trying to be helpful i think that's part of when if i because obviously commercially i work with lots of different people yeah. and quite often i'm just getting put on a job And I don't know the DP. The DP just needs a focus puller for the day. Um, so I will I will start the day and be like, look, this is this is this is the kind of focus puller I am. I like to be next to you. Um, I will offer things up if if you don't want any of that input, like let me know, and I and I and I won't do. But unless I see something really bad that I'm like, no, you need like there's something like the wrong branding's in shot over there. Like we need to remove that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, That I, that I work but most DPs I think are quite grateful for it they're quite like oh cool yeah that's that's another set of eyes on my image like a set of eyes that are going to trust um, I think the tricky part is yeah. especially when you do the or at least that, that's how I always felt in the commercial world when you meet new people that you've never met before it's like you have to And if you only have one day of shooting with them you know you you kind of like you need a third of the day to kind of like gain their trust until they realize mm -hmm. like oh okay this person kind of knows what they're doing And yeah. then they kind of value your input. But until then, you kind of have to prove yourself. And so um, that's why I always disliked working on, on really short-term kind of commercials or corporate gigs. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it's like you have to prove yourself over and over and over again. It's like, mm -hmm. please just trust me. Like, yeah. I'm not trying to be uh, an asshole here. I'm just yeah. really trying to... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be here if it... Like, I, I also know what I'm doing. And I wouldn't be here if... Um, you know, like, I'm... I'm a, I'm a focus puller for life, probably. Like, I don't want to do, I don't want to step up. I might step up to operate, but like, I'm where I want to be in terms of career wise and loving what I'm doing. So, I don't, it's not like, oh, I'm, I'm coming up the sort of the ladder to be you one day. Yeah. Like, I don't, I'm not interested in, I'm not interested in being a DP. Sounds like it's too much stress for me. Um, I agree. Yeah. yeah like, I, The whole reason I sort of stopped doing the videographer stuff and started getting more into camera systems was because I hated pre-production, I hated post-production. So that was why I was like, I was happier rather than someone going, "Do you want to do you want a grand for this job, 
or do you want to come on set and run for a day for like 150 quid? I was like, I'll go run on set for a day because when I finish, I can just go home and be done with it. Yeah. Um, but then I hate a nine to five. I'd like, I couldn't work in an office. And I'm thankful for people that do nine to five jobs because I couldn't, I'm one person that absolutely could not do yeah. a nine to five job. Yeah, I feel you there. That's, um, um, I have the same, my wife works a, a regular job and it's, it's, it's baffling to me. I, I couldn't, I just, there's yeah. no way I could do yeah. it. They're, they're my unsung heroes. <laughs> yeah. Cause uh, yeah, yeah. Thank, I'm thankful to, uh, I'm thankful to them for doing it. Um, But, but fortunately, my wife is a um, Hannah. She's a production designer, so she totally gets like uh -huh. the stupid hours. And oh, babe, someone's rang me up for like we're supposed to be going out for dinner tomorrow, and I'm like, oh, babe, someone's rang me up for a job. Uh, I'm gonna have to cancel dinner tomorrow. And she's like, nah, she just gets it. And she's really chill with everything, supports me with everything, and then vice versa. Yeah. Like this job we had last week with the double camera setup. We basically got it sprung on us like last minute, and she had to build a seven meter by two meter, um, like wooden wall for this tennis commercial. It's like something that they set up this big, like, wall, uh, and it's just a practice wall. And she had to build one in like 48 hours and paint it and get the paint to dry and transport it to London. So guess, guess who was painting? Uh, yeah, well, <laughs> your boy Alex has painted. <laughs> But that means so, you no, can we skip help the each occasional other, dinner. Each yeah. Other. yeah, no, it does, it does, it does. I did get paid for it as well. Well, I'm supposedly getting paid for being her assistant. I don't know. I don't know if I actually will. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's 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 nice to it's it's also sick to work together on jobs with with like with your wife and like I sort of I have all my my regular DPs and it's like I've I've met gaffers on other jobs who I get on really really well with. Um, Uh, a gaffer called Al Rice. I've just sort of been introducing him to all of the DPs that I work with. Right. And now I see on a call sheet, I'm like, Al's on that job. So I know it's going to be like, oh, all my mates are on the job together. So then there's a nice bit of job sharing there and, and like getting to work with all your mates on one job is like, how is this work? Yeah. Like you're just hanging out with your mates all day. Obviously you're creating something amazing, but you're literally hanging out with your mates like, and everyone's good at their job. So the actual work is just done. Like you don't really think about it, you just get on with it. Yeah, um, and and I wonder too when I got to this point where it's just like it it never feels like work. It, I mean, it can't feel like work when you have a really shitty project and those come along every now and again. Or or But, the or the like the four a.m. start. Oh yeah, well yeah, <laughs> that bit feels like work. It, that I don't feel anything on those days and until like nine a.m. and then and then it kicks in and then it doesn't feel like work. So it's like yeah 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 <laughs> yeah that's no, great. Uh, have you have you ever worked on uh, on film on 35? I've not done 35, done 16. Okay, uh, 16 as a as a focus uh, puller. As a focus puller, yeah. Okay, how was Just that? Tape. Uh, so you uh, you relied heavily on it, I, I assume, because I've never worked on on film as a as a first, so I really I don't, I don't know what to expect. So I've done I've done two jobs on an SR2. And then I've done a couple of jobs on a SR3. SR2 has no tap on it at all. Like it has a it has an SD tap, so just like standard def tap. Mm. So the picture you would get if you put wireless on it would literally just be like this blue mush. Or depending on depending on what color the tap felt like putting out, 
um, like sometimes we turn the camera on and it would be like purpley or it'd be a bit green, but there's no contrast. You couldn't, you couldn't gauge it for sharp. You can gauge it for framing, yeah. um, which obviously is what the DP would be doing. Uh, but yeah, fortunately on all those jobs, I had loaders who were really experienced. Um, I was sort of pulled in last minute. Can you pull on 16? I was like, well, I can pull with the cine tape and focus with my marks and um, did a really good job. So got asked back for a few more. Yeah. So uh, have you I seen the final, the final results then? Yeah, it was sharp. And it was good? Yeah. Okay. So, that, that yeah, would be yeah my, it, was, it was all good. That would be my number one concern is like, you know, I would walk in there and be like, was that sharp? It's like, I, I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> yeah. You can say to DP at the end of it, like, I felt I'd, if you feel you, you missed it at a point and obviously you say on film, as if you're not, if you're not a hundred percent, then you should go again because it's not like you can check playback or yeah. you can't have instant feedback through monitoring. But then on the SR3, we had a proper HD tap, which is still nowhere near the sort of video feed you get out of like a mini or what have you. But yeah. it was like, you could kind of gauge it for sharps. Um, But then also on like 16 mil, you have more depth of field and we weren't shooting, like the lenses we were on were like T2, I think. Yeah, I think it was a T2 or a T2A and the DP was shooting like T4 anyway. So it's it's not, it wasn't a difficult day. T4 um, on 16 should, should be Yeah, should and be we were shooting, I think, yeah, I think the longest we were shooting was like, I mean, we did some long zooms, but with the long zooms, all you do is you just get your tape measure out. Yeah. You just go get the tape measure out market, and they will let you do that, even on a commercial. Because if they don't let you do it, it's like, well, it's going to be soft then. So I was, there was like, they were letting me measure stuff, and then obviously I've got a little um, like a disto, so you can yeah. just quickly check. But did you have the feeling overall that like uh, everyone on 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 set when you're using film is aware of the fact that you know this is not digital and that there that some yeah. things have to be different? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There definitely was that understanding of, but the DP that I worked with on all of them, Jamie Harding, was like, he's he's booked for being a film DP. You know, okay. he owns his own SR2. He's he, he does shoot digital stuff, but he's one of those DPs that always pushes to shoot film. Okay. Um, takes his own takes his own break cut to shoot film and and whatnot because he's like, that's what I want to shoot, and that's me as a DP, um, how I want to express myself. So, I think when he gets booked on a job it's almost like he comes with a little cover note. Like, this is how you shoot film. <laughs> Give me time. <laughs> Don't fuck about in the middle of the take. Do all your notes before we start rolling. That's like my my one pet peeve is when... I don't get it a lot because it's mainly on commercial um, that I'm on, but on narrative when it's like camera turns, sound turns, we're speeding, we're all set, ready... AD's literally about to say action and the director just walks into the set and he's like, well, guys, I think we should do this in the take and all the cameras are rolling. I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Like, do your notes before, please. Yeah, and uh, it, it's the it's the discipline that really starts lacking. And it's interesting because it's like even the old school kind of directors who have worked on film before, um, before the digital mm. kind of revolution, um, they still kind of adjusted to the new way and just think you know it's like oh you know this costs nothing it's all just 
you know digital numbers and so gigabytes yeah. yeah but it's like yeah but in the end someone has to like go through all this stuff and like they it still yeah, costs so it money cost. to, you know it's not it's not like it's for free yeah. <laughs> and uh everyone's yeah, shooting yeah, yeah. in raw these days it's like you know we're talking about a mm -hmm. ton of like wasted material that is just you talking to an actor which you could have done while we're not rolling so it's 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 yeah it's weird yeah the the discipline is definitely it's definitely lacking and yeah. uh i only in the very very early days of my uh career uh got to work on uh commercials uh, on 35 but i was just basically a, a trainee so i never loaded or anything um but it was really to see that kind of discipline and then see it all mm -hmm deteriorate like so quickly as soon as the alexa came out <laughs> was amazing mm -hmm. i was like oh damn why within a year like we lost all of that <laughs> it's just sad yeah 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 definitely the discipline is is like yeah this is way tighter on on a film set it's like as soon as as soon as the uh as soon as the moment's captured like as soon as they've got what they want it's cut there's no like oh can we just look at this or can we just look at that it's like no happy with that let's move on check the gate and off you go okay um yeah alex let's talk about um your your kind of like rental business uh i think it's called unitbag.co.uk i'm not sure why you guys in the uk do this .co.uk thing it's like really throwing <laughs> me off but there we go that's what it is um, it's, it's british people trying to have their little bit of a the, we've got our own web domain. that's our independence <laughs> yeah um, all right um uh so what's your because so how what's the what's the business model there are you you know what do you what do you own what do you have um is this a wet hire kind of thing like how do you how do you set this up yeah so i think you sort of hit on the head there it's, it's exactly a wet hire camera department basically like one phone call you can book the camera department in a van roll up on set in, like we've got everything from cameras, lenses, wireless, follow focus systems, mag liners, a van. Um, so rather than having to book all these things individually from a producer's point of view, um, it's sorted through through myself. Um, that's something that I always struggle to understand is sort of a DP will send the kit list to the producer. The producer will go to the kit house. This is how it works in the UK anyway. The producer will go to the kit house and go, this is what the DP's requested. And the kit house will go back to the producer and be like, we haven't got these things, but we've got these things. And the producer will just go, okay. So then when you turn up on set and you've got an Atomus 7 Shogun to pull focus on <laughs> instead of a small HD 703 Ultra Bright, you're like, who made this decision? <laughs> so trying to eliminate sort of the producer having to deal with that, yeah. sort of taking that straight off there is i will deal with the business will deal with any cross hiring that's needed um any sort of prep that's needed also crew so they won't need to book loaders or trainees the loaders and trainees will get booked by us yeah. um i say us it's pretty much just me um but you do have your, your crew of people that you know like a pool of, of crew basically yeah. that you can yeah. choose from yeah yeah uh, yeah yeah, there's a lot of really good people that I work with that I sort of will always, always try and book on jobs. Um, and then I always, I'm always trying to sort of book as, uh, like, trainee wise. I'm just like, who, who, who's about? You know, I'm never, I'm never like pushing for someone who's a trainee specifically because I, I, I want as many people to get experienced in the, in the industry as possible. Um, but yeah, the business model is basically one, sort of one man, not one man band, but like. 
one person that can supply everything that's needed up to like light grip. So like I do like 2575 tall shorts, maybe a four foot slider. Yeah. But anything above that needs to come from the grip. Okay. And so um, you would basically provide the entire package. Um, you do have some some lens uh, sets, but I would assume lenses are like the one thing where like you can't you can't own all the lenses. And so if if a no, DP yeah, is asking for a certain set of lenses, you would just have to go to a rental house and, and pick those up. Yeah, yeah. But the rest would come yeah, from so you and is basically prepped and ready to go. Exactly, yeah. And it's it's like obviously rental houses they have such much higher turnover than me in terms of cameras coming in and going out and whatnot. So they're not always as well prepped as like a focus pullers kit. So unlike my Alexa mini, I've got like all the rat works editions like that come as standard with it. So it comes with a rat bar, comes with the rat flip side plate, top handle extension comes with like a cine seven on board. So like a really nice monitor for whatever the DP wants to use it for yeah. um, like nice moose bars and stuff. So, so everything that's like, when the DP sees a kit list from, let's say, ProCam or Pixie Pixel in the UK, they go, oh, well, it hasn't got that, and they're going to need to get another monitor, I'm going to need to get another set of moose bars. And then I get on set, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to have to rig all my rat work stuff to it, because yeah. that's how I set my stuff up. Whereas now, it's just you just pull it out of the box, and it's ready to go. Yeah. Um, and also the fact that it's... A yeah, the dream. <laughs> so all the things that I hate about using rental equipment, that's absolutely battered and beaten, because it's been so busy i'm trying to eliminate all of that so it saves a bit of time in the morning so you're less because you never get on commercials you never unless you're getting a full prep day you never get enough time to prep in the morning they'll put in like an hour for camera prep or something maybe two if you're really lucky but this this tennis job that i was talking about i had to prep and build two cameras one on a gimbal on the mobby and one handheld in an hour and i was just like that's not realistic i can't i can't do that no, but it's interesting um, how they because uh, the thing is, you know, if you're if you're a camera assistant that's worth their salt, you're gonna make it work. I mean, the camera's gonna look like shit, and it won't be you know as as nicely yeah. built as it should be. And but like you're gonna make it work because that's what we do. But I have the feeling that like you know, especially producers who don't really understand the the technical mess that all of this is that mm. you have to like put together yeah. to into like one sort of like really decent package. Um, you know, as long as you can make sure that the DP can shoot and uh, create yeah. some nice pictures for them, they will never give you more time. <laughs> so it's yeah, like... you just sort of hash it together. And that day just was like, that's like my most recent day. And it was just like, we were, we were shooting and I was on the ear text to the loader, my loader, Joe, who I work with all the time. Is um, it your text is that is that what you call intercoms? The, the yeah, yeah, okay, okay. yeah, they're like uh, the Nimrod comms. It's what we oh, gotcha, text okay. the ones that yeah. are really common in the UK. And we're like rolling. I'm pulling focus, and I'm like, "Can you get the Teradek onto the B camera and then bring receivers on these two monitors?" Like whilst we're shooting, I'm still like logistically getting kit built in the background. No one's knowing that's going on, yeah. and then. Movi cam, Movi A camera goes down, and the DP's like, "Cool, can our B cam step in?" And the loader's just finished, walks in with the B camera, gives it to him, switch over, next shot, and it's like you don't realize like how much has been going on behind the scenes. I mean, the director and the director and the uh, DP on that knew exactly what was going on and knew that it was a mess and yeah. that we weren't like I was getting like hounded, like, "Come on, why aren't we ready to go?" I'm like, "Because you've given me like three, four hours work to do in in, in an hour." 
Um, so it ended up that day being no focus bug on on the gimbal, like just went off the monitor. Yeah. Um, K35 is wide open on an LF. Yeah, it, it is it is always interesting though because when you do get thrown into those situations and uh and i hate i absolutely hate when i can't use my scenario or my focus bug mm -hmm. um but i'm amazed by like it, whatever it is they throw at you in the end it does work out somehow i mean you might yeah, you might fuck up a take, but like it's <laughs> like you know in the end yeah. there's there's enough usable stuff that they can they can cut in and you go like yeah it's, it, it's fine it works but yeah. it does it does kind of It it does make my stomach cramp a little bit. Like every single time I don't get to mm -hmm. have my Cinera T on it, it's like yeah. Yeah, you're like, oh, there's my comfort blanket gone. Yeah, it is really. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, while we're on the uh, on the Cinera T again, do you do you use the focus bug like the the bug itself? Uh, do you put that on on actors a lot? Is that a thing you do? Because I'm on commercials most of the time. Not really. I'm more just using the horns, okay. um, just as a readout. Obviously on the on the high five, it's like a little. Uh, It's like a little game, just tracking the uh, tracking the green dot up and down the up and down the focus scale. Um, obviously, using it intuitively as well. Yeah, because I use that 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 focus bug. Um, yeah, definitely on on features like Steadicam work or or gimbal work, and you have like uh, actors yeah. moving around. Um, I absolutely love that thing, and I'm not sure yeah. if I will ever want to work without it again. Um, so I yeah. was just wondering if, if that's something you use in the commercial world as well. So prior to me buying the, so basically I'll take you back to October last year, um, I got booked on a feature and they had two cine tapes that they needed. I ended up providing a lot of kit on this feature. Um, it was co-produced by a company from the States. So they were bringing over all the cameras and lenses, but obviously no batteries because they couldn't fly with them all. Uh, they weren't bringing any wireless because I think they were all on Paralinks, which I don't think you can use their Paralinks that they had in the UK because the RF channels that it's on. Okay. Not, I'm not 100% of that, I might be wrong. Um, so we had to use all wireless. So I provided all of that, monitoring, wireless, and they needed cine tapes. And Alan Gordon out in the States was selling two cine tapes really cheap. And I was in, I'm, I was at this point, I'm waiting for my focus bug. My name was down for one. I was like, well... I can buy a cine tape, pay half of it off on this feature, and then sell the cine tape at the end of the job for what I bought it for. And then the end of the job came round, and I, I never really used um, uh, focus tracking stuff before yeah. this feature. Like I've done odd jobs, like the film jobs I was on cine tape, but I just never really asked one. Um, and so it started getting the cine tape one. Like, cine tape's all right; it's nowhere near as good as the focus book nowhere near as accurate and whatnot um but yeah ended up finishing this feature selling the focus the cine tape and then the focus bug was available to buy yeah. the cine tape is really good for what it is but you can you can really like immediately tell the difference the the scenario is just mm -hmm. it's just seven yeah. levels above it uh, but yeah the uh the, and the the fact that you can that you can adjust so many things on the fly with that with the hand unit like i always have the hand unit to the left side of my monitor so i can like pull focus yeah. with my right hand and then use my left hand to adjust the settings as i go like nice. you know if, if like an actor kind of steps in and like blocks the horns with with their shoulder it, it just be like you know don't measure this and like change the field of view and um so to me yeah that's really that's part of how i pull focus on pretty much every shot like i um It sounds like you've had a lot more time on the focus bug. Like I've only had it 
probably on five or six jobs so far and I've had some time in sort of in where where all my kit is I have like a sort of a prep space that I'm working on developing into somewhere people can come prep um and I've done a few prep days there and it's gone well but I've had a bit of time with it there and yeah just sort of I'm still like finding little bits that the system can do I'm like wow yeah. this is what you like you really it seems like a massive investment and it is it's a lot of money to spend but what I, you get out of it i absolutely yeah, i have to say it's the is in terms of uh value it's definitely the best the the best piece of kit that i bought and the best way for me to invest my money because it like it it yeah. it makes me feel so safe in some situations where it's like if i was on a monitor only right now this would be breaking my neck. Like I'm pretty sure I'd be fucking yeah. this up uh, a few times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, whereas with the with <laughs> yeah. the with the synergy system, you just go like, okay, fine, whatever. You don't want to rehearse yeah. this. Okay, let's shoot it, and usually yeah. you you get away with it. And so many people don't realize, like people who aren't focus pullers or in the camera department, don't understand how amazing this piece of kit is and how much it helps you. And they come up to you afterwards and they're like, great focus pull. And I'm like, yeah, great. Yeah, exactly, yeah. I, <laughs> see those two little things they, they did it all they, for me. They did all of this. Um, I actually did. So this year, uh, earlier this year, I was in uh, Panama. Um, and it was just a little, like, it was, it was a feature film. And we just did this, like, um, because of COVID, they had to split it all up. And so we went to Panama for, I believe, three weeks and just dropped, like, the last missing piece of that movie. And we had, like, this uh, scene where the actor the little plane he's on kind of crashes in the jungle and so he's walking around the jungle and uh and we we wanted it to look like you know he's he's a little messed up he's like he he doesn't know where he is like he's you know obviously he just his plane just crashed so he's a little fucked up in there yeah, yeah and so he's just wandering around going like oh man what's going on and so i just planted so the camera was following him like wide open on a I want to say an 85. I'm not entirely sure what it was. Um, mm. And so I basically just put the focus bug uh, in his back pocket. And then um, because the camera was like, at the depth of field was so shallow and the camera was just moving. It was handheld and we were just moving the entire time. And so at some point I was like, you know what? Fuck it. I'm just going to hit the red button on the WCU4 uh, set to focus tracking yeah. and see what happens. And then I... I rewatched that take and like we shot this for a couple of minutes, just him wandering around like the the jungle. Yeah, yeah. And I rewatched that take and I was like, "This is, this is unbelievable." Like the back of this guy, it's just sharp the like, whole way through the entire time, and I couldn't yeah, believe it. I was amazing. like, I, I didn't do anything. It was uh, so it's it's an incredible piece yeah, of yeah. kit yeah, for sure. Have you um, have you seen that some people have mounted it so that you can put a motor on it and you can like repoint the horns have you used that setup at all i haven't uh used that yet um that's definitely on the list um the i think the the problem that i have with that is that the the motors that you usually like if you use a, a an airy motor like they're fairly large like even the c4s minis are fairly large and depending yeah. on the kind of setup like i really think it could potentially slow you down like if you need to go and and set it up in a gimbal like quickly and it's like okay oh, no yeah, i have to yeah. detach all of that whereas you know if i just have it mounted on like a um a kind of like quick release system and just you know you just snap snap out of it and snap it back into and i think it's more designed for like the cine tape where you don't have the focus bugs because realistically if you're wanting to move the horns so that you can be like, 
with sharps there and then we're going over to there so we'll just repoint the horns just put two bugs on on them and then you can just gauge the bugs and how far away they are because then they won't like nothing crossing will upset them yeah and then you haven't got to repoint the horns and so how, how many bugs did you get i i only have one um and i'm definitely considering getting a second one even though i want to wait um because i think cnrt is coming out with the thing that they call the fly which are going to be like these yeah. rf um kind of bugs so i'm not entirely sure how that works but i oh, think okay. uh, those will be a little bit um even better than the actual bugs that you have right now because you can as far as i understand if um, um, please uh, um Laird, let me know if i'm if i'm talking shit here but um <laughs> i believe that they can like go uh through clothing easier or if you you know even if you have the thing in the back pocket of an actor and it like goes through his body in a way so it will still track that um yeah yeah nice, or if nice. you if you're looking at like something that is like really far away like a car like coming in from from a f further distance out you can place the the rf bug on on a car hide it somewhere and you'll still get the reading so i might yeah, just yeah. With upgrade the, um, to that system entirely so, so when i got my um set up there was like a deal on if you basically you get half price bugs with the system okay so if you buy the system and bugs so i i ended up getting three bucks sweet because it came with it came with one yeah. and then it was like well if you buy another one the other one's the third one's basically free so i was like well it, it made it made sense to do it absolutely so so with with the bugs can you because this is something that i'm really intrigued by can you offset how far like say if say if you're planting the bug on their back pocket yeah. or on their front pocket obviously some people's you want their eyes to be sharp so say if the bug is sort of two inches, three inches behind where that eye line is, yeah. can you like offset that? Or yes, you can. Um, you can. Oh, you okay, can. Cool. Um, that works. So if if you put it like in a say like in a chest pocket of someone who's like you know a fairly large kind of person, um, and you yeah. do notice that you have you know say if you measure it and you have like three four inches to their eyes, um, then yeah you can offset that. The one thing that you just mentioned is when you put put it in their back pocket and they're facing you like with their you know the front yeah. of their body kind of like faces the camera you won't you, get the... you probably won't get the reading like it, it does work through yeah, clothing yeah. for the most part but it won't work through an entire body yeah yeah i've heard through like through like denim or jeans it can be a problem it, getting it, the it really depends like i i haven't for the most part it worked i think there were a couple times where i just didn't get good readings but i don't remember what they were wearing i think this last one there was uh, one particular jacket it was kind of like a thicker winter re kind of jacket and that right, kind of okay. cost me problems i'm not entirely sure what the other piece of uh, piece of clothing was um but for the most part and i use it a lot really um but f for like 98 percent of everything that i that i use it for Amazing. it usually works quite quite well nice um i think my favorite favorite recent purchase was it's a bracket that you know the cleans camera support WCU4 monitor mount. Yes, the one that goes on the so, uh, on the WCU4 like on top, basically. Yeah, 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 it sits on it. Yeah, I have the same one. Now. I can't remember his name, but he goes by Wizard of Buzz on oh, Aurel. Instagram. Aurel yeah. yeah. So he's made a little bracket with lens camera tools um, that sits between that and the high fives bit. Yeah. 
So I don't. I put it up on Instagram yesterday. I was like, "This is the best thing ever. Thank you so much." Yeah. Um, when when I saw this, I was like, "This is brilliant." Because I was wondering too. I was like, "I mean, this is all great and shit, but like now I can't use the system that I've already that I already have in place mm -hmm. for the WCU four yeah, once yeah. I switch to the high five. <laughs> yeah. A couple of people messaged me and they were like, "Why didn't you just buy the high five monitor bracket?" And I was like, "You don't understand." Yeah. You just don't understand. Like, I have my, like, quit smart system. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to spend, like, another 500 quid on stuff that I don't need just so that I can, like, quickly switch my monitor between my hand unit and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, shout out to uh, Audrey. Yeah. Yeah. Big, big shout out to the guys at Lens, Lens Camera Source because I've got so much of their stuff now. Their Cine Locks have also saved me so much money. Um, not buying the actual 16 by 9 Cine I, Locks. It's so fucked up because I have the the what a condor blue quick uh quick locks and yes they, yeah and i i just have so many of them that at this point i don't want to i don't want to sw mm. switch to the lens one but i think the lens um the lens brackets are better like they have they have a few more options that i really like um yeah but i at this point i just don't want to spend that much money on like yeah, yeah. <laughs> i think the really nice little bits Small rig, right? I absolutely love small rig as well. People give them a bad rap for being like cheap, crappy bits, but they're magic arms that are like modular where you can like swap the ends out and stuff. Yeah. They're fantastic. They, they, the tension on them is so good. Yeah. Like, I think they, they never seem to break. I think they still suffer from their bad reputation from like a few years ago because I think they did start as like a really, it was really cheaply Low made end. shit. But like yeah. over the last, I would say two or three years, they really, they came a long way and at this point, mm -hmm. I love that they're so readily available, and they pretty much have a solution for pretty yeah. pretty much every little problem that you can that you can run into. Yeah, I mean, you can submit stuff to them, um, and they'll prototype it. And if people buy it, you get a percentage of the the sales of it. Oh, really? Can like you just is there is there a thing on their website? Yeah. There's a submissions thing on their site. Yeah, oh, well, there yeah. used to be. Don't don't hold me to it, but. Because I want because one thing that's missing on the market is plates for Vaxis systems. There's just like no Vaxis um, stuff on the market, so I'm always having to like try and hash something together to yeah. get my Vaxis transmitter into um, into place. But the new thing that I bought is you know their monitor mount that you can like move swivel and stuff. Yes. So I it's it's got an area locator on it. Yeah. So I slap that anywhere on the mini that I want, and then I just tighten it onto the. Um, onto the bottom of the axis so it means you can like open it up if you need to get into where the cables are and yes yeah, that, yeah. that was a really neat little bit but that's interesting tight. that you say that because so because uh, i wanted to submit this to the um so there's another uh, focus puller from italy uh, fabio please i'm sorry i'm probably going to get your name wrong because it's italian and i'm so not italian um <laughs> geo geo lotti or something along those lines um and he did this whole like um uh what was it hashtag uh gear dream 2022 or 2022 gear dream something like that uh, is that on focus puller at work exactly where you can just submit yeah, basically yeah, ideas that, form, yeah. that you know you wish were like products on the market and so i was thinking yeah. uh in, instead of like using a motor for like to, to pan the um the horns of the synergy because i love the idea of like having it sitting there where you can just like basically move it up so you can get to the mat parks and, and do like a quick filter change but i also want to be able to like just 
adjusted to the left and right, but still have the option of like going up and just get it out of the way if I have to uh, switch a, or change a filter. Yeah. Um, so basically just add another axis that goes left and right. And so uh, that's one of those things that I that I really want. Like, because yeah. usually when you when you know within a scene that like, okay, the action is going to be to the left of the lens a little bit, um, I will just place my horns in a way. You just go and exactly. move them, but yeah. with my current setup, I can't do that because I'm missing that left, right, like pan axis. So yeah, I, yeah, I was yeah. hoping that someone like Small Rick would maybe make something like that for me. But that's good to know that they have like their submission kind of thing. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they've got their... Uh... Co-design, is that what they call it? Yeah, yeah, co-design, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you can send in their, your yeah, ideas. Yeah. Ah, that's perfect, man, cool. Yeah, yeah. 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 Learn something again. Thank you. <laughs> ah, no worries. No That's worries. why I do these podcasts, um, man. Like, I because I learned so much <laughs> shit. It's awesome. <laughs> yeah. uh, one thing that I always like to ask is: um, Is there? Do you have any sort of like tips and tricks on like how uh, you can make your your DP or operator like make you know look good? Anything like you know any little tricks that you can you can set something up for them quickly or uh, how you adjust things on the camera like before you leave it or you know what what do you what are your tricks? Hmm. <laughs> Depends how much I like them. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Perfect. No, I love all the I love all the DPs that I work. They're all fantastic people. Uh, I think one of the main things is just making sure that your build is really clean, really tight, uh, centering the weight properly. Like the amount of times I've used an easy rig that I know the literally the last camera set they were on was very similar to the camera set of that I'm on. And we put the easy rig on and it's got like the serene, the flow cine serene or the stabil on it. And I'm like, no one's count like no one's set the weight on this properly. Um, like the, the core tension's not right, or like the stabil's off, or you know, the eyelet bolt has been put in the wrong place so that the camera's weight is like one way. Like I think setting up an easy rig is more than just like putting it on and clipping the camera in. That's something that's that's missed a bit, I think. Um, I agree. I also noticed because you just mentioned that um, on some of your Instagram pictures that uh, you tend to, for Steadicam work and gimbal work, you tend to like uh, mount the motors on top of the lens. So basically, like coming from the right side from that uh, Redcliffe yeah. um, 19 mil rod, and then the, just go over yeah, yeah. the the lenses. So uh, when I'm building for Steadicam or Gimbal, I try and keep all the weight like down the line, so nothing's hanging off one side and upsetting the weight. Like basically, if I put something on one side, I try and put something on the other side to yeah. sort of counterweight it, counterweight like keeping the balance in the middle. Is um, I was sort of. I was taught Steadicam camera building by uh, this operator in the UK called James Elias. Uh, amazing op, really, really nice guy. But he, first time I built him a rig, he was like, no, <laughs> we'll do it. We'll look at it like <laughs> like this. And uh, he, he was really helpful with showing me, like, it's really important just to keep the weight down the middle. Yeah. Um, and then I had a couple of uh, Steadicam AR jobs this year which obviously the AR cage is actually tiny. Like you can get nothing in it. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever worked with yeah. one. So like having to sort of keep everything, even like on like the C-Force motors, how far the Elbus cable sticks out was Definitely. in the way sometimes. Yeah, like you have to totally redesign how you would normally build your camera. And obviously that helps the operator out massively. If you, like, if you give a Steadicam operator a really nicely neat built camera, 
um, they're not going to have problems all day. Like you don't want anything to be loose. You don't want cables moving around whilst they're swinging the camera around. So I know we have this whole like fun thing of clean build challenge on, on Instagram, but it should just, it should just always be a clean build. Like I hate seeing build pictures where there's just fucking cables everywhere. I'm like, it gives me anxiety because if you have a problem with one of those cables, how the hell are you going to get that out and like rework and stuff? Whereas when I build my cameras, I'm like, I know where all my cables are running. I'm not like, I'm trying to normally avoid having video cables right next to power cables. Cause that can cause, um, picture issues sometimes. Like if you've got earthing problems anywhere on mm-hmm. the system. So I try and make sure that that's run nicely and, and yeah, just like having a neat build isn't just like a fun thing to do for the focus builder. It's like it's important to the so the DP can just sort of operate. Yeah, it is. The, um, but I've mentioned this on the podcast before. But I, I, it is baffling to me. Like when I see behind the scenes pictures of many, many really big Hollywood movies, and you look at their cameras and you go, like, this looks like an absolute mess. And I could never work like this mm-hmm. because, like, every time I would look over to the camera, I'd be like, "Fuck, I'm, I gotta quit." Like, <laughs> this is embarrassing. It's embarrassing. <laughs> but apparently, yeah, that's I'm... how they do it, and it works for them because they produce some of the biggest fucking movies out there. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I'm not sure, but I'm I'm with you. I uh, I like a clean build. I also like what you said that um, you shouldn't run uh, power and video cables together. That's uh, yeah. something that I have done for the most part um and now starting to uh trying to avoid um also i i now need to try or i want to try to uh be a little bit more flexible um like you said you know if you're on steady cam you want to distribute your weight as much as you can down the middle of the camera yet when i go off the steady cam and i know you know steady cam won't play for a while I want to be able to like shorten the build a little bit and uh, then be able to because I so I mount my Terra deck for example in between the if I'm on a mini uh, in between uh, the mini and the battery plate and so I got it on a on a Cinelock though so I can take it off and then just put it down right by the side like basically on the right side like if you have a uh, yeah, yeah, a red yeah. cliff plate or whatever and then just uh, yeah. slide the battery plate closer to the body so you kind of shorten the build a little bit um, but then nice. add the teradec to the side but do it so that it you can do it as quickly as you can when you have to go to steady cam so you just redistribute the weight down the middle um yeah and then also one thing i'm really bad at is when when the dp calls for uh kind of like strip everything down because you want to put the camera body in i don't know the trunk of a do you say trunk or boot in the uk yeah both trunk boot, okay boot. so I'm, you put the you yeah, put it in yeah. the trunk or whatever and then it's like okay we need to we need to lose the battery and it's always like uh if you want to lose the battery <laughs> that's so much more than just losing the battery like you have to like take the entire yeah. plate off i still have to distribute power to other things that like are accessories yeah. on the camera and so it's never as yeah. easy, so I'm working on solutions for that, so I can just run basically more PTAP as well as like an extension cord for the power to the camera itself. That's interesting. You call it PTAP. What do you call it? DTAP. Yeah. So it, it's um. So in I the, don't understand why. <laughs> in the United States, I would call it DTAP, and then I moved back to Germany, and everyone looked at me like, "Why do you say DTAP?" And it's like, uh, on, I, don't, I don't know. On the red. If you so so on the DSMC two, I think it's the same for the one. You'd buy the body. You'd buy a, like an I/O expander, so mm. it's just an in-out plate, and then you buy a V-lock plate. 
eventually they made it as a V-Lock I.O. plate as one plate, but mine's a bit older, so I have the I.O. plate and the V-Lock plate. Yeah. And the I.O. plate, there is what I would call a D-tap on it, but I've had an error message come up on the camera before where it says, uh, like, ampage error on the P-tap. Okay, I see. And I'm like... <laughs> They, 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 they got me there. Yeah. I would <laughs> say, because the thing is with P-tap, I would understand like P for power tap, I think kind of mm. makes sense. D for, yeah. I'm not entirely sure what the D would stand for. So I don't yeah, know. Distribution or, Maybe. I don't know. But I think in the end, we're yeah. talking about the same thing. But yeah, it's 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 a, yeah. it's a very, it's a very interesting. Uh, Anyone detail. listening, can you like that knows can can he please tell us yeah, please send us <laughs> like an email in comments, someone say it <laughs> let us know we need to solve this once and for all uh, do you know what let's let, let's do a poll do a poll on instagram p-tap or d-tap what do you call it that's a good one okay i'll do that and, i'll set it up later and we'll we'll see <laughs> i'm pretty sure it's going to be 50 50 <laughs> uh alex let me get to um yeah pretty much the last question um what uh, would you say is the best piece of advice that you've ever gotten from from another AC or like within within the camera department? I would say. Oh, best piece of advice. That's a that's a good one. Uh, I think the best piece of advice that I guess I got given or I learned was like don't. Um, there's a there's a, I don't know if it's the same in Germany or or in the US. There's like a culture of people saying that they're they're basically camera trainees and you see all these posts come, these posts get sent out, like looking for a focus puller, need a focus puller, need a focus puller. And they're like, oh, I've got a Nucleus M, I'll come and pull focus. I mm-hmm. think just the, <clears throat> not it's not like stay in your lane, but it's like learn your craft before you become a focus puller because it's not just pulling focus. I think a lot of people that call themselves focus pullers, it's like, well, actually you're a HOD you need to, on a long form, you know, you need to learn to manage people, a department, like look after the department for the DP. The DP don't want to be dealing with any crap in the camera department. They just want to be given a working camera ready to go with a nice clean team that can turn over quickly and then wrap quickly and get out quickly. They don't want to be dealing with that. So I think like don't, um, like obviously there's the fake it till you make it kind of, ethos but like don't over egg yourself on being something that you're you're not ready to be yet like if you want to be a focus puller start as a start as a trainee or and then start loading but also try and get jobs as a focus puller yeah like try and get like little small jobs and stuff where you know it's not big like if i'm putting if i'm personally looking for cover for myself it's more likely than not going to need an experienced focus puller on it so But if I put it out on Instagram, I'll get a lot of messages from people that aren't ready to sort of do that kind of job yet. And I think they should just just know that a little bit. Is that is that good advice? Uh, It it is. And I totally agree because it's um, and I agree with you, especially on the um, the fake it till you make it kind of thing. Like, yes, that is a thing. And yes, I think in a way. We all have to fake it till we make it because, you know, the, you, you have to grow. And like, you know, if you try to grow, you have to accept jobs that are a little bit, you know, say uh, uh, above your head and you just have to like yeah. grow into it quickly. But yeah, uh, true, if if the only experience you have uh, has been working with a Nucleus M or a DJI Follow Focus on music videos and you've been asked to like uh, be a first AC on a 
or if you you know throw yourself out there and and try to become a first AC on a on a BMW commercial, um, those are two different worlds entirely. Like and like you said, yeah. there's so much more. Like even if you're able to nail the focus on this, that's only a small part of the whole thing, because you have to, like you said, you have to understand how you manage your entire team, motivate them, uh, learn how to like find your place within that entire film mm -hmm. crew because there's uh, a certain set etiquette that you have to learn and that just takes yeah. time and experience and that's why i think it, it is great advice to say hey on the bigger project start as a trainee work your way up but in order to learn pulling focus do the smaller things because it's like when you yeah what you're saying about like a big car commercial like you cannot just walk into that unexperienced no Like I just had a couple of weeks ago, like a big car commercial. But I was so blessed. I got to work with the um, the guys from Service Vision. Mm -hmm. So the guys who invented the Scorpio yeah. head um, did a car commercial out in Mallorca for Kia with Service Vision. Uh, it was Fair just like, it was just like it's like working with like the gods of the industry, and they were the loveliest people as well. Like so much fun, and the professionalism of it was just. Like it absolutely like it inspired me. Like I was like, I I put myself like I'm I'm doing well. Like I'm I'm happy with where I am at with my skill level. Obviously, always want to learn more. And I was just like, yeah. these guys are like, light years above me in terms of their skill, their precision, and like how professional they are and how like on it they are with just everything. Like we're doing like 80 kilometers an hour down a road with the cars like four feet away from each other. And they're like switching over like this, and the, this big, massive Russian arms just swinging around, and the operate, the camera operator, and the head operator, and the arm operator all just chatting to each other, as well as the two drivers of the cars. Like, I was just sort of in awe, and obviously the focus bug literally did everything for me as well, which is quite nice because <laughs> it's it's just tracking the car. But yeah, it was just like a whole new experience. But you couldn't just be a music video nucleus M follow focus. Uh, like stepping in something like that no like at, at all no and so, i think the sheer scale of it would probably scare you away uh in the beginning and um, yeah so yeah yeah. yeah yeah when i saw that it was service vision on the job i was like well this is like i i felt like this is above my pay grade right yeah. and but you know but, like i said you you have to you you need that room to grow but um you can mm. only grow so so much on any given yeah. project so i i don't yeah, think exactly. you can go from like you know 10 inches to uh to seven feet uh on one project i don't i just don't think it's possible yes yeah I agree maybe it is for summit i just suck that <laughs> maybe <laughs> I, i don't think it's like a problem with the people that are offering to that i think it's the fact that focus pulling gear has become so much more available like like when people started calling themselves dps when they were shooting music videos on a7s it's like the problem has become that there's all of this consumer gear that's so good and it does very similar things to the professional gear but could you imagine turning up to a job with service vision with a nucleus m and being like this is what we're pulling focus on today yeah <laughs> they, they would they'd laugh in your face <laughs> Like not to knock the nucleus M, it's done great things, but yeah, exactly. But even if you know uh, you would come to you're relatively inexperienced, you would come to a set like this, and you do get a WCU4 or a high five, but you haven't seen it before. Like you're gonna screw yourself yeah. in the process. I remember the first time I held a WCU4 in my hand as a focus puller for the first time, coming from like the DJI and nucleus M kind of world, and you go like, ah, oh, 
this is a whole different animal like i need to i need an entire hour to just understand this you know yeah yeah and uh yeah. sorry why is my why is my computer on yeah. um <laughs> i think i think my phone went on quiet yeah i did no it wasn't me it was you. That no, was you. That, that one was me, yeah, for sure. Because I saw it pop up here. We have, this, like, we have a rule in the UK if someone's phone goes off on set, you've got to buy a credit beer. Yeah, uh, <laughs> the same as you have to uh, uh, buy some beer. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It never happened to me on set, though, I think. No? I think maybe once oh, I've had it. I, I did have, and it was actually, it was on a commercial with. Um, uh, what's his name? His last name is Takayanagi. He's a he's a, a Japanese DP, but based in Los Angeles, and he's done he's worked on, like he he shot Hostiles and uh, Black Mass, and he's like a really big DP. And so we're in a hotel working on this commercial, and for some reason my phone like the iPhone. I'm not sure if you know this. Like the it, when you when you press like two buttons, it kind of goes into like emergency mode, and then it starts like. Wee -wee -wee -wee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> did so that I go did off? that in the middle of the take, and I was like, what? How is this possible? <laughs> so it kind of malfunctioned in my in my in my pocket. I was like, "This is, this is so embarrassing." But uh, I think they all took it with oh, uh, with the necessary sense of humor. Yeah, talking about phones, like another piece of advice: please get off your phone. I see so many times I'm asking for like assistance to do stuff, and I turn around and they're like on their phone, and I'm like, unless you're emailing like about work or responding to something about work. Like, just tell me you need, like, tell me, can I have two minutes? Like, I've just had this email, I need to respond to it straight away. Yeah. I've got this job tomorrow. I'm just letting them know, kit. I would be like, yeah, go for it. But yeah, it is. That's, yeah. that's good because you either communicate it, um, because I mean, everyone needs to be on their phones in, in this day and age. That's just what it is. And yeah. if you're working a 10, 11, 12 hour day, like every now and again, you need to check your phone to, like, you know, check yeah. in with your children or whatever it is. Um, yeah. And I think yeah. that's fine, but there's a time and a place for it. And I think, um, in general work mode if you're a second ac or a camera trainee and and your first ac is working don't be on your phone like if mm -hmm. you see yeah. that your first yeah. ac is enjoying some some downtime because every now and again you just have a 10 minute break because everything is ready and you're just waiting for art department or Something, whatever yeah. um yeah yeah sure check your emails no problem um yeah but you know if the first is working do not Do not get on your phone unless yeah. it's absolutely. You're, yeah, if the first working, you're working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. It's just a just a, a pet a pet peeve for me. But that, um, and it, it is so important it's because first. it's becoming more and more of a of a thing. And I, I don't know. Maybe it's a generational thing. I I, I feel like I you and I were probably like the last kind of generation that kind of you know got just to, before the phone became yeah, a big thing. And we got to work yeah. with some of like the old school. DPs like people that would yell at you on set when you when you have a phone in your hand. Um, yeah. Whereas now, like we're easing into this like new generational thing where people don't get mad anymore, <laughs> and so mm, I have a feeling yeah. that the that the the up and coming generation of like you know a 20 year old is like yeah this is my phone I grew up with this thing like that's part of me it's yeah like, yeah I, it's, I, a, I get it's attached it. to my it's attached to my yeah, hand but not right now <laughs> just. Um, mm. Yeah, yeah, good advice, and uh, well, definitely something we'll be talking about for. I I would assume until we uh, retire. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure, dude, Alex. I think that's uh, that's all I got. Um, cool. I really appreciate your time, man. Thank you very much for being on the. Podcast. Oh yeah, and you too. I'm glad I'm glad we managed to make it work.
And that's it for today's episode of the Focus Polar at Work podcast. Thank you all for listening and thanks to Alex for being my guest. Well, folks, I really enjoyed it. And uh, if you like our podcast, please consider to subscribe to it and leave us a nice review. If you have criticism, questions, concerns, or if you'd like to be a guest on the pod yourself, please send us an email to info at focuspolaritwork.com. Also, the pod now has an Instagram page because that's where so many of you cool cats hang out these days. Please follow at fpaw underscore podcast and let's connect there. Well, that's it for today. Uh, hope I'll catch you next time.